What's up, guys? It's the phenomenal AJ Styles. You're listening to the two-man power trip. Oh, my God. This is Joey Styles, and you're listening to the two-man power trip podcast. This is Ricky the Dragon Steamboat. This is Cody Rhodes, the prince of pro wrestling, and you are listening to two-man power trip. This is Jimmy Vine, the Boogie Wooker Man. Tell my people and my brothers and sisters, don't you dare miss John and Chad. Hey, everybody out there. This is the franchise Shane Douglas. Remember me? <laughs> well, guys, it's great to be on the show again. I appreciate you asking me back. So you said you were going to pinch yourself. I didn't know it was that kind of show now. I mean, if you guys are in the privacy of your own home, if you want to do these things. Good. How you doing, Chad? Hey, Johnny. Cool, man. What's going on? We're ready to go or what? Hey, man. What's up, guys? This is Homicide. Oh, that's my homie. Homicide with a big homie club. Yeah, that would be it. Hey, this is David Penzer, and this is the two-man power trip of wrestling. Well, thank you, thank you. Hear me, fear me. I don't do many wrestling shows anymore, probably because I'm a bit ignorant. You guys probably know ten times more than I do. Look, Mean Gene, I can't be beat. I'm the greatest of all time. And I would say that. And every kid, I, they knew they could kick the out of me. Great talking to you guys. It's been your pleasure. <laughs> They've worked in and around the wrestling business. They've studied thousands of hours of wrestling. And now... They bring to you the greatest legends, Hall of Famers, creative minds, and both current and future stars of pro wrestling. They are Primetime Pod and Chad, the two-man power trip of wrestling. But now, 340 pounds, taking flight. There may not be anything left to tattoo. Oh! Wait a minute, Stacy on the apron. Oh, she's got the referee building something. Look at this. Two, three, four, He's five, six. Come on! They should be tattooing him right now. Oh, Stacy knew what she was doing. She knew Stasiak was fit to be had. Meanwhile, a duck low. Pick up. Oh, it could be. It could be the greetings from Asbury Park. Stacy! Stacy from the apron! She's holding on! Just enough! And now, oh, the hangman's noose! Reverse neckbreaker one, two, and Stasiak wins the darn thing! Oh, Stasiak was supposed to get tattooed! He lost the match! There was a seven count up there! But he won't get tattooed this on that. This is the two man power trip of wrestling, brought to you today in Powered by our good friends over at Figures Toy Company. Head on over to figurestoycompany.com and wrestlingsuperstore.com and check out the brand new Rising Stars of Professional Wrestling and the Legends of Professional Wrestling action figure toy line exclusively sold through Figures Toy Company and wrestlingsuperstore.com featuring over 30 absolutely amazing talents of the past, the present, and the future of professional wrestling. Check out some of the legends like our podcast partner, the franchise Shane Douglas, Mikey Whipwreck, Jim Cornette, the Blue Meanie, Just Incredible, and so many more. It's all going down at figurestoycompany.com and wrestlingsuperstore.com and a little more about that great action figure line in just a couple of minutes. But if you didn't know by now, my name is Chad, and as always, I am joined by my tag team partner, here on the two-man power trip, the one and only 
JP, John Paz, is here for yet another amazing episode of the Two Man Power Trip of Wrestling podcast. And this week, we welcome in a former WWE and WCW superstar. He is now the doctor, but he is Sean Stasiak, and he joins us today for a really, really fun and absolutely, uh, the least I could say, is informative interview talking about his father, the late, great Stan the Man Stasiak, a former WWF champion, as well as his time in both WWE and WCW, to include his very first brief stint in the WWF, which kind of ended in a little bit of controversy, and we kind of get a clearing up of sorts by Sean Stasiak about that controversy throughout this interview. But what you're going to get to know about Sean Stasiak in this is this is a guy who thinks out everything. He starts from one thing, he, he gets all the way to the next with a plan in between. And you see it for what he's doing today. He's a, a very successful chiropractor out in Texas. Uh, he is an absolutely uh, motivational and inspirational guy. If you follow him on social media, you'll see what I'm talking about there. But he's somebody who also kind of wants a little bit of redemption in the wrestling business and somebody who had all the tools and all the talent and the absolute look of a professional wrestler, but some things just didn't click on the management side, and we're going to find out what Sean thinks that is in this interview. So, John, as I welcome you in here now, obviously when we think about Sean Stasiak, we think of Perfect Sean, we think of the Mecca, we think of Stacy Keebler by his side, we think of uh, the the absolute uh, th thrusting that WCW did with the Natural Born Thrillers and the group he was a part of. But why don't you tell us a little bit more about what we have to look forward to in today's episode with Dr. Sean Stasiak. Chad, you got to shut up, listen, and learn, as Sean Stasiak used to eloquently say when he was uh, cut some great promos in WCW. I mean, there's so much great stuff that, that we really did talk about in this interview. And one of the most interesting things to me that when we do discuss it is how come WCW, who was People always said, and my misconception was, oh, they, they didn't know how to book, or they dropped the ball with this guy, didn't know what to do with that guy. How come WCW was, you know, knew how to use him and saw the talent, and WWF didn't use him as well? I, I always kind of bothered me, and we do talk to Sean about that in the interview quite extensively. But, you know, thinking about it, and, and, and you really look back at it, and you're like, hmm, it is strange. You know, the, the, the meat character, yes, it was a part of the Attitude Era. Yes, you know, there was some comedic value there. You know, it was over to a point, but then, you know, the Stasiak stuff, and, and they never really truly, you know, realized and harnessed him the way they could have and made him a big star, especially considering his father, Stan Stasiak, former WWF world champion. They could have really tied that in. But WCW did a lot of good things with him, the Mecca of Manhood, the star, perfection. They put uh, Stacey Keebler with him. They were doing a lot of good stuff with him. I love when he played that cocky heel. He was giving out the 8x10 promos, signing them for the crowd. I mean, really, really, really getting a lot of heel heat, feuding with the likes of Kurt Hennig and Bam Bam Bigelow and Kevin Nash and DDP. So it is interesting that one league in WWE saw the potential in there, and the one league in WWF kind of was just making it too jokey and too sports entertaining. For my liking, and I think Sean definitely would agree with that. Now, Chad, I don't know what you think about this, but thinking about a comeback uh, for Sean or what? Well, he's definitely in the shape for a comeback. And uh, he definitely still, he has those tools uh, to this day. I mean, he looks in, he looks like he did 
15 years ago. Uh, but you know, when you talk about him, you talk about what he did in WCW, and you talk about how the WWE missed the boat on what they were going to do with him, especially in the Attitude Era, that controversy, like I mentioned, was him supposedly recording conversations that the guys were having backstage. But when you heard that back in the day, you thought it was weird because there was also that same little uh, bit of cloud over Man Mountain Rock for videotaping guys and having some uh, maybe uh, not so uh, welcome for uh, that audience back in the day, things recorded on his end. But Sean kind of says like, hey, listen, you know, why do you think I had a recorder on me? What, what do you think a wrestler would need a recorder in his bag for? I'm not going to spoil it, but it, you put two and two together. So that was one thing I felt to be kind of... Uh, you know, revealing with this interview, but John, how about this? Now, WCW knocked it out of the park with what they could do with him. He was involved with so many top guys, but the WWF, with their swing and a miss, how about we didn't even get a chance to dive into the fact that in Memphis, when he was in developmental, when he was in power pro wrestling, he was feuding with Jerry Lawler. So there is a crash course, if you will, in working a main event guy and working the main storyline against literally the biggest star in the history of Memphis wrestling, Jerry Lawler. And to think that the WWF really missed out on uh, pushing him either as, you know, Sean Stasiak or even like as a Stan Stasiak Jr., something related to his father who had just passed away only a few years earlier. Uh, to think that they went the meat route and, you know, are kind of glorifying him as almost like an underwear model, you know, that kind of sucked because he wants to talk and uh, he definitely wants to get in the ring and work. Now, this is where I want to tie in your WWE Network recommendation. Now, you can't find the Power Pro stuff on the network, but you can find that on YouTube, and I definitely think that you should go check that out if you've never seen it. But I know uh, there's a lot of good stuff of Sean Stasiak on that network, whether it was Meat or the Mecca of Manhood, or if you want to take a ride out to Planet Stasiak, uh, you can catch some of that on the network. But where are you going to send us with your recommendation this week, JP? WWEnetwork.com slash TMPT for your free month of the WWE Network. And really, I mean, it really is hard to kind of nail it down because when you go to the network and you go to Sean Stasiak, you can just type him in to the search bar and you get a lot of stuff in there. But I really enjoy the WCW era, Sean Stasiak, if you will. Not, not so much the, the Mecha Manhood, which was a great gimmick and, and a great, great thing to go back and watch. But really when him and Palumbo were teaming and they were the tag champs, Anything with that, I really highly, highly recommend. So basically anything in 2000, early 2001, WCW involving Sean Stasiak, I would check out whether it's Palumbo and Stasiak versus the Insiders, DDP and Nash, or uh, you know any of the great matches when they win the tag titles versus Chronic. There's so much good stuff out there with him from WCW. I would really stick with WCW when looking up Sean Stasiak on the WWE Network. So one last time, there's www.wwenetwork.com slash TMPT for your free month of the WWE Network. Take advantage of it, folks, while you can. And uh, we want to definitely thank Dr. Sean Stasiak for coming on and spending some time with us. He gave us one of the greatest uh, spurts of information in the history of TMPT. Uh, he was able to literally cover nearly his entire run in one response to one of our questions. And when you can do that, I sit there in awe. 
because he was able to break it down step by step, and it's a testament to him as a speaker and what he was able to bring to the table, and we just couldn't be any happier to have had him on this show. He's not doing many podcast appearances, so the fact that he was able to get on with us, obviously we like to bring you the best, and we feel like we did in this interview today with Sean Stasiak. So, Sean, if you're listening, thank you very much, and hope to have you back on in the future. Now to move on to business here, our blossoming relationship we've got with Figures Toy Company. We've got another very cool giveaway headed your way whenever Shane Douglas gets back from Australia, and we can start to get that rolled out to the fans. The last promotion that we did giving away one of Shane's figures was an absolute amazing success, and we want to continue that momentum. We want the fans, we want the listeners to go and check out Figures Toy Company and WrestlingSuperstore.com where you can find the legends of professional wrestling action figure line as well as the rising stars of professional wrestling action figure line. Where on the rising star side, you know, we can talk about the legends till the cows come home, but how many places can you find a Joey Ryan figure or a Sammy Callahan figure or even uh, a Trent Beretta figure or a Jeff Cobb figure? You're not going to find them anywhere else, folks. So head on over to WrestlingSuperstore.com and Figures Toy Company dot com and get them now get them while they're hot because they will retire these figures at some point and if you're an action figure collector or you're any kind of wrestling collectible collector you want to get these in your collection you want to put them on your shelf you want to put them wherever you store them you want them in your possession before they go away and that also includes those legends as well get your hands on a cornet get your hands on the franchise and add them because hey what better is a wrestling figure collection, John, than to have the franchise uh, staring at you with that uh, that glare and that uh, that kind of that little uh, snarl that he can give you when you uh, when you look straight at that action figure? So head on over there right now, please help us out, spread the word, get on over, pick up a figure or two, and tweet us about it. Tell us what you think about them. Tell us what you want to see, and maybe you'll end up uh, catching one of these guys in. Uh, six-inch action figure form. So with all that being said, why don't we do this with a mouthful that I just threw out there. Let's get it on over to Sean Stasiak, John. So let's hit him with some two-man power trip of wrestling business, and let's get this show on the road. Now for some TMPT business. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at Two Man Power Trip and at Wrestling Pal. Please subscribe to us on YouTube. Also, subscribe to us on iTunes. Please leave us a review. We'd love to hear your feedback. Also, while on iTunes, check out the feed for prior legendary episodes featuring the living legend Bruno San Martino, the late great American Dream Dusty Rhodes, the Enforcer Arn Anderson, Ray Mysterio Jr., Glenn Kane Jacobs, the phenomenal AJ Styles, lead WWE attorney Jerry McDivitt, and so many others. Also, while you're on the internet, check out ProWrestlingTees.com. Yes, that is ProWrestlingTees.com. They are your superstore for all your wrestling t-shirt needs. Check out our page. Check out Tito Santana, Coco Beware, Kevin Thorne, Magnum TA, and so many others. Also, while you're on the web, check out our website, TMPTOfWrestling.com. And for all you Android users, please hit us up on Google Play or Player FM. And all you iOS users, please check us out on TuneIn Radio, Automatic, Spotify, and now iHeartRadio. And now, without any further ado, 
a former three-time WCW World Tag Team Champion, a former WWF Hardcore Champion. He is the mecca of manhood, the star, Perfection, formerly known as Meat, and from Planet Stasiak, he is the Dr. Sean Stasiak. Enjoy. Time WCW World Tag Team Champion. He was a 15-time WWF World, uh, excuse me, Hardcore Champion. He was the Mecca of Manhood, the star from Planet Stasiak, and of course also Perfection. He is the one and only Dr. Sean Stasiak. Mr. Stasiak, thank you so much for joining us. Hey guys, thanks for having me on here. And I also would love to mention the son of the late great, uh, the one and only, the master of the heart punch, Stan the Man Stasiak, former WWWF World Heavyweight Champion as well. Cannot sell that short. We got to mention that right off the top as well. I appreciate that. I think it's worth mentioning. He was uh, one of the original pioneers of the industry, and he was the fifth wrestler in the history of the WWE. Well, back then, the WWWF um, champion. So I appreciate the uh, the acknowledgement. Oh, absolutely. We've actually we've had the ability to to talk to a couple of those champions. We talked to Bruno before he passed away. We've talked to superstar Billy Graham, and we've uh, we've talked to Bob Backlund, and we've had the ability to kind of channel that era. We've actually even talked to Ivan Koloff before he passed away as well. So we've had a chance to channel that era and really bring out a lot of the stories. And unfortunately, your father passed away long before we even con- had the concept of this show. But I think he's a name that if you're uh, an old school fan, you're a hardcore fan, you know about him. But I still think there's a lot of fans out there that need to learn about who Stan the Man Stasiak was, and obviously with you, you're the perfect person to get some kind of a background on him. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, now with this WWE Network, uh, with this generation today, you know, uh, it's funny because I've been away from mainstream for, what, since 2002. Uh, I decided to you know, pursue another aspiring career, become a doctor of chiropractic. I did that, um, you know, back in 2002 when I was released from WWE, and I asked for an early release because I... You know, they weren't really doing much with my, my character. I couldn't seem to get much momentum with that company for whatever reason. I'm not here to point fingers or, or sound bitter uh, by any means, but I, I'm just I'm going to call a spade a spade. It's just the fact. It was frustrating, and I, I decided to to, uh, to move to Dallas, Texas, where I've, I've lived the last almost 16 years and uh, became a chiropractor. Uh, there's always two aspiring careers I always wanted to be, and that was a take after my dad and become a, a professional wrestler and preferably work with the WWE, which I was able to fulfill that, that, uh, that dream, that, that childhood goal, uh, and then become a chiropractor. But my point being is I've been away for, for quite a while. And, uh, I, I, I've noticed there's been more of a wave of recognition, uh, of me 
uh, in, in the last couple of years. And I, I just realized that how powerful that WB network is because they've got that library that they can educate themselves with. And, uh, that's why I, I, I asked how old are you? And they're like, well, I'm, I'm 20 something or whatever. And I'm like, how do you know about me? Well, the WB network. So, uh, same with my dad. He's got some classic matches on there. And, um, yeah, I've, I've learned more about my father after he passed. Um, a lot of people, fans especially will, will write me private message me or send me pictures or photos that they were at a, uh, a house show or a spot show or somewhere there on the East coast. And I'll get a picture that, you know, I've never seen. And it, it's of him black and white or, or, you know, grainy looking very, very nostalgic. And, uh, you know, I, and of course when I was in the WWE years ago, uh, a lot of the agents like black Jack Lanza, Pat Patterson, uh, those guys would tell me stories. I, it's like, I learned more about my dad after he passed and, um, you know, uh, nothing but good things to say was always, a uh, fun to be around. He was always a prankster, had you laughing. People would fight, guys would fight over who Stan would ride with when they had those long road trips because they knew that it'd make the trip easier because he'd, he'd have them laughing the whole, te- the whole way through. So yeah, my dad was a great man. Um, loving, caring father, uh, cared about, you know, rip his shirt off his back for you. Uh, but you didn't want to be on his bad side because, uh, he could be a mean son of a gun at times. So, uh, how suiting to be a, a heel, one of the top heels in the seventies, uh, in professional wrestling. Yeah, and obviously, you know, with your, your your history and the way you got into the business, you know, you, I look at you as one of those can't miss uh, prospects. When you got that second generation, uh, you got it could be a stigma because you have some prof- some pressure to live up to uh, the past, but also the way you you looked, the way that you had your your whole entire makeup. I mean, it was like I said, a can't miss uh, move for you to get into professional wrestling. But stepping away from it and, and seeing what you've done since you stepped away, it, that also is very cool to see because you, you hear stories of guys that leave the business and they don't really know what to do with themselves. But when you see you and, and if you follow you on social media, you see just how you've been able to really just be so successful post-wrestling. And I think it's very cool and, and, and it's quite a testament to your hard work since you walked away. Are you satisfied with how things have gone so far since walking away from the wrestling business? To be honest with you, no, I'm not. And... I say that because, you know, and it's, this is interesting because, uh, I've had my, my ups and downs just like anybody else, uh, in, in my life with, uh, my pursuit with chiropractic. And I think a lot of it had to do with maybe unfinished business that I felt deep down in my heart with, with the wrestling business. Again, I, I mentioned earlier that I, I'm not about to point fingers or sound bitter by any means, but you know, that business is so political especially with WWE and what I know now, if I would have known then, I think they've made many songs about that. Uh, you know, things would be completely different. I would have conducted myself or handled myself differently. Not that I ever had the wrong intent or I was a bad person or quite the contrary. I think if anything, I think when I lost my father back in 97, I, I think I became, I put a lot of pressure on myself because uh, shortly after that, um, he passed, I had sent a, a tape in a VHS tape. How, how long, how old is that? Uh, back in 1997, uh, you know, uh, sent to WBE. I was at my dad's funeral in Portland, Oregon, where he passed. And, uh, of all people, 
Um, Matt Bourne, who of course played Doink the Clown, uh, was was there, and he, he said, "Sean, you know, timing's everything." They just did a montage on your dad um, on I think it was Raw, Monday Night Raw, and he said, "You know, I know it's a tough time for you, but it might be the best time to send that tape." And at the time when I lived in, uh, I had just um, was just finishing graduating from Boise State. I finished my athletic career, my wrestling career, um, but I still had like the semester to finish in the spring to get my credits to graduate and uh, get my degree there. And um, and and really, I did. I wasn't formally trained. I, I had ten professional wrestling matches, uh, <laughs> untrained, you know, on a local. Uh, it wasn't actually in Portland because there was something to do with the commissioner or promoter. Uh, I'm sorry, not the promoter. They couldn't get a promoter's license in Oregon. They had some, I don't know what it was with the, with the, the governor or whatever it was, but they had to go across the river to Vancouver, Washington to have these shows, uh, these t- little t- local TV show. So one summer, I think it was 90, the summer of 96, and that's when the, the, the um, WWE or at the time it was still WWF, of course, and WCW wars were going on when the NWO formed, and that's when wrestling was really heightened, you know, really had changed, the landscape had changed. So it was a, a hot, you know, it was a, a, a hot topic, professional wrestling, going flipping back and forth. I'm sure you guys remember that very well. And so, you know, I was super inspired and, and really, really wanted to, uh, that's what I wanted to do. I, I, I knew that's what I, you know, I had, question myself earlier in high school. I got to a, a relatively late start in, in wrestling. I had informal training when I was about 25, 26, had 10 matches. I did decent. I was a, a good athlete, you know, Division One wrestler. I've uh, been an athlete my whole life. So I was able to just do very minimal and be in tag matches and, 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 and get away with, you know, green as ever. But, you know, it, it worked for the, that local show, that promotion. Um, and so... Anyway, my point is I created this character. I'm a big big kid, a big Halloween freak, have been for years, and I created this face-painted character. Of course, I was inspired by guys like Ultimate Warrior, Sting, the Road Warriors, you know, the face-painted guys that look like colored comic books come to life. And so I kind of, and then, of course, I was fascinated with the, the better physiques, and it uh, had lived with uh, some bodybuilders in, in uh, Boise, Idaho, where I, that's where I went to school, Boise State, my undergrad. And, um, so I had this, this whole physique thing going on, face paint, you know, so those characters really, I gravitated towards. And so I created my own character and the name of the character is Phobia. Actually, if you go to my website, it's phobiatv.com. It's F-O-B-I-A-T-V.com. You can read the story and the, the, the beginnings of how it all started. Uh, and I won't, I won't ruin it for any listeners. They want to go to the site and, and, and go and, and learn more about the character, but the message is, you know, face your fears, overcome your fears, take control of your life. I've used it a lot uh, in recent times with uh, speaking to, to kids in schools uh, about overcoming self-limiting beliefs and um, the anti-bullying movement is something I was part of while that wave was really really running strong a few years back. And I still do to this day. Uh, but I've done some theatrical, some short films with it. And I've got some big visions with it. Uh, but not to get off topic, but the, the I'm circling back around the fact that I really didn't have any formal training when my dad passed in 97, June 19th, 1997. And, um, I sent that tape in, uh, to the WWE. And of course, um, they bid on it. They, uh, Bruce Pritchard was at the time, I think head of talent relations, him and Jim Ross and, and Jim Cornette was part of something there with, with creative. Um, 
there's so many roles are always changing, uh, you know, with that business. But anyway, I, I had I had this character that I face painted character, this very theatrical looking character uh, that I would just get on the local um, Boise State. I'm sorry, the the local Boise news channel uh, to to uh, you know give a a good PSA to the community. Safe trick or treating, kids. You know, don't talk to strangers. Stay at company with your parents, so forth. And, you know that kind of stuff. So I really just showcased a couple high spots for my wrestling uh, matches I had in in Portland the the, the summer prior. Actually, it was that same year, um, and in '96, and then in '97 did the same thing with the phobia character. Another Halloween came around. So I didn't have there was no school there was no wrestling schools in in Boise. So I just used that theatrical character and, and you know the charisma that that exude and uh, you know I would I would prepare for that you know Halloween two months out almost treated like a bodybuilding contest. I ate super clean and worked out you know extra cardio and all that kind of stuff. Of course I was around some some bodybuilders that kind of taught me took my you know physique to the next level with, with nutrition and just training techniques and whatnot. And so I had my tryout, went out to WBE uh, headquarters in Stanford, and first uh, first person I ran into was besides Dr. Tom Pritchard, um, who I just spoke to the other day. It was always nice to talk to Tom. And uh, Yoko Zuna was there, and uh, he was my first uh, real experience at WBE, and he was great to hang out with and kind of felt like family bonded right away because of his Samoan uh, heritage, you know, that's a that's a, all of Samoa is such a long lineage of, of wrestlers and uh, great, great at it too. You know, they've, they've had so much success. So anyway, um, you know, I kind of, I kind of went down a rabbit hole there guys a little bit about, about, you know, how, how I got my trial with WWE and how that started. But uh, we're talking about being satisfied and um, it's one of those things where, you know, I, I'm grateful for everything I have. I was able to break away from wrestling and, and do and have some success in, in something else, a different profession. Like I said to, um, you know, uh, I aspire to be a chiropractor. I always question if I could take someone's, uh, you know, head in my hands and adjust their neck, you know, and it was something that I was fascinated with because I adopted that lifestyle when I was in, high school and through college. And of course, when I got to professional wrestling, because I, I needed chiropractic for me to be able to perform at that level getting banged up in a, it's like being in a car wreck every night, taking bumps in a ring every night. So I became intrigued with it. And that's what uh, kind of inspired me to, to pursue that. Um, because my career was just not, um, going anywhere. You know, the, really the two tenures that I was with WWE, I mean, the best year I ever had was with WCW. I had more TV time, um, they put the strap on me with Chuck Palumbo as a tag team. Um, you know, got to work with Kevin Nash and Diamond Dallas Page and, um, you know, some some pretty big names there. Um, but, you know, it just seemed like um, when I when I finally, you know, my second tenure, when the, the WWE got, uh, had bought out WCW, uh, it just seemed like I just couldn't quite get the momentum um, to, to be, you know, a, a top-tier type of guy, you know, I thought that every, all the tools, everything was there. Uh, looking back, you know, I realized that maybe, and, and I know in that business now, I realized that, you know, I might have, uh, knowing what I know now, I realized that I was kind of a target. Um, ironically enough, I'm in the, I'm in the parking lot at, at a target, by the way, guys. Um, 
Perfect. <laughs> but but the point but the point is is that you know I I I was kind of I think I was just kind of uh, in an insecure stage of my life. Um, I just lost my dad. Um, I, I really don't think I dealt with his death uh, in a way that uh, suited me the best, especially being you know now I'm I'm immersed in a in a sea of sharks in a business that's cutthroat. I came in with a good body and uh, had all the right intentions and had the raw skills. Uh, but I just never really had anybody, uh, over, you know, to kind of overlook me like a Pat Patterson did for Dwayne Johnson or, uh, you know, Jim Ross did for, for Stone Cold Steve Austin. And I was saying those guys were great talents and worked their asses off and deserved everything that they, they all the success they got. I'm not saying, I'm not taking anything away from them at all. My point, though, is, is that I didn't have anybody to kind of take me aside and say, hey, Sean, you know, let me let me mentor you a little bit like those guys. I don't think Austin had so much. Maybe he did. I'm just saying, you know, he had been in the business for a while and he, you know, he, he made his mark and he worked his way up, busted his ass. But uh, with Rock, you know, he had Pat Patter. He had some people that kind of looked out for him. You know, I didn't have that. And you might say, well, why would you need that? You're a grown ass man. You're, you know, but, you know, you know, you're in your late 20s. You, you don't you don't know a whole lot about the business. I, you know, again, I got started at a later at a later age. And uh, I was dealing with, uh, you know, looking back, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Um, looking back, I realized that man, I just was pretty, you know, insecure because I did I was put so much pressure on myself. I didn't want to fail, and uh, I just didn't want to. I didn't want to mess up, you know. And the more that you think about not messing up, well, what do you think you're going to do? You're probably going to mess up. So I, I made it hard on myself, you know. And I think I got labeled and a couple things that were. Uh, you know, I had that tape recorder incident that took place. That was a uh, just uh, honestly, God, I've, I've I've shared this story many times, and it's interesting. I hear these these little odd articles or or mentions in these podcasts about just actually <laughs> Cornette. Kind of correct him. I tweeted at him the other day because he was telling the story that I had a tape recorder in my bag, and I was so paranoid that I was recording people's conversation. So far from the truth, I had a tape recorder in my bag because it was uh, it, it was encouraged uh, when I was training. I think by Dory Funk Jr. and Tom Pritchard to say, you know, if you're on the road for hours, get a tape recorder, record yourself doing promos, work on your craft. That's all that was. I just played a rib on a couple guys uh, that I was going to play back for them that got uh, that backfired. Simple as that, and it made me look real bad, and and uh, I ended up getting fired. And I think, you know, even though I, I got you know, came back to WWE a, a year or so later, I think that stigma just always stuck with me. I don't think it ever, you know, years ago, um, I think it was Mike Enos, one of the Beverly brothers said, you know, professional wrestlers are like a bunch of high school or junior high school kids with money. And I kind of understand that now. It's like everyone jumps on the bandwagon and, and they, uh, they just took this little, you know, and I wouldn't say it was a little incident. I mean, if I was a, a veteran and that happened now, so I'm in the locker room and, and I hear this, this young rook coming in and tape recorder. I mean, it would, it would upset me too, but it was far, the furthest thing from what their paranoid thoughts were. I wasn't working for hard copy. I wasn't, you know, trying to, uh, you know, blackmail anybody. I mean, it was just simply a, a rib that went bad and I got fired. It's that simple. And it just, I think it just never helped my career. So, you know, I just circling back around about having, like regrets or not being fulfilled or satisfied for the longest time. It bothered me because I had poked around, you know, the idea of, Hey, you know, um, 
I'd like to maybe make one more run at this thing. This is like back in my mid to late thirties. And, you know, there was some small talk about it. Maybe, maybe possibly it's something we can look at or whatever. I think it was Johnny Laronitis was in, in, in that position at that creative, uh, creative talent relations or whatever it was, that department. Um, and so, you know, but nothing ever came to fruition when push came to shove. And, and I don't know about, you know, maybe I should have gone to Japan um, or worked the indie scene, but I just wasn't willing to do all that um, because I also had my, my career as a chiropractor that I had developed. And I just thought, you know, it's meant to happen. Uh, I don't want to do that to my body or put more damage or miles on it. If I'm going to do that, it's got to make business sense. It's got to be the right business. And uh, it's going to be on the biggest platform possible. It's going to be with the WWE where I started my career and where I ended my career. But I, I, I had always thought since I grew over the years and, uh, you know, you grow as a man, you learn your mistakes, you, um, you know, you, you should better, you should be a better person. Right. And I just always thought that, wow, it'd be interesting now that I finally know who I am as a man, as Sean Stasiak. Um, let me exude that, uh, on a WB platform. And, uh, it's just that, that opportunity has just never, never came around. And, you know, I, and I, I'm sure you see my posts. Um, I've talked about it. I've, I've, you know, I've, I've poked at it with them, WWE many, many times, but there's never, you know, whether people care about this or not, but it is a, a true piece of history. And, and I, I, I think with, with, you know, the way the world is today, people like transparency. They like real, you got reality TV, you got MMA, you know, it's, it's real stuff. People know cats out of the bag, you know, pro wrestling's choreographed, but, but I think what makes the most interesting matches or the most interesting promos is when the, the lines are blurred and there's reality parallels that are intermixed with the work, with the script. That's what makes it real. Right. And I want to be a fan. I want to suspend my disbelief, just like I'm paying my 12 bucks to go watch a movie and watch the good guys kick the bad guy's ass. I still, there's an element that I still want to believe in that, wow, you know, I think so-and-so is really pissed off or this is a really emotional, this is a touching, you know, situation here. I, I know I can bring that now because, uh, because of all the, the challenges and tribulations I've gone through in life. And uh, Sean Stasiak basically is, you know, a second generation wrestler who is still to this very day, is probably in the best shape of his life. And I say that, you know, humbly, but who has a mission? And that's basically to fulfill a promise he made his dad. And that's to, to create history and be the first father-son duo to ever, you know, uh, win the WWE title. And whether fans cared about that or not, that's the storyline. If you want to get the, the, the most out of me, you want to get the most uh, transparent, the, the, the raw emotion, you know, um, that that's what that's what you run with because that's pe people will believe that because it will be real. There's elements that are so real, and um, it, it's just never it's just never come to fruition. It's like there's just no no interest with it. So, you know, I guess that would be probably the part that I'd always questioned, and and for a while there, it, it almost felt like, uh, you know, I don't want to say haunting, but it was like. I thought for sure that, you know, I would have had one more seat, bring all these other people back. And I'm thinking, man, if they wrote this right, the way that I have it envisioned, and I would love to work with the writers. I, I, I have a, quite a creative mind myself that not a lot of people know about, 
but I would love to have worked with the creative to create uh, something that would work for today's era, but also would educate the fans of yesteryear. And you're bringing in um, my dad's era as well. You're educating fans, but you're keeping it fresh and, and you're keeping it with the times and it could work, you know, I believe. And I think that would be, a, I think it would draw revenue because you tap into the attitude era. You would tap into my dad's era and you could still interest today's era. So it's uh, to me, it was a, it was a, I think it would be a good business. And it's not even, I was playing the character. It would have someone down, you know, <laughs> someone down the street played it. If that, if they were, you know, in that situation as, as am I. So, the only regret, or the, I can't really say regret, it's just more of a, kind of saddens me, I guess, when I, I think about it from time to time, because I feel like it's just a, it's, it's a wasted storyline that, that could inspire a lot of people. And, um, so, you know, it is about never saying never, never giving up on a dream, a vision, a passion. Uh, it's about loyalty, it's about respect, it's about honor, and that's fulfilling that promise to my dad that I made you know, to, to, uh, to create that history of my father in the WWE, that's the storyline. And whether it ever happened or not, that's the pursuit. That's the, that's the quest, right? Don't be attached to the outcome, but that's the story in itself. And I, and I think that's what would be the message to, uh, you know, the fans would be, you believe in something, no matter if you're, how old you are, or people count you out and, all the naysayers, haters can say what they want, but if you believe in something, man, fuck everybody else. Go for it. So that that's basically, you know, the I guess that's something that I had unfinished business with. I felt my heart, but I finally learned to compartmentalize it and say, you know what, I, I I can let that go. I've done everything I could do, given what I had to work with, and um, you know, the chiropractic world's great. Uh, in the sense of helping people, I've, it's been very liberating and fulfilling to, to change the quality of lives of many people over the years. However, I'm a lion in a cage, salivating at the mouth, wanting to rip to the bars. I wasn't meant to be in an office or a clinic. And um, so I, I've got that that I've wrestled with over the years, no pun intended. Uh, I've wrestled with that over the years because I am an entertainer. I love to put smiles on faces. I love to make people laugh. I like to, to uh, you know, especially in today's world, people stressed out and people dealing with depression. I've dealt with it myself, and it's just there's nothing better when you have someone to kind of lighten your day. But not just that, to be inspiring and to, to stand for something and to inspire people to, to lead them with a message, something you're saying, the, your way of being, um, the way you, you are as a leader in the world, in your community. You stand up for something, you know. And, uh, to help others stand in their greatness to me, uh, that, that to me is the most liberating thing. That's my biggest passion. So it's taken me a few years to really hone in on this because I've played with it and I've gotten, you know, I've, I've been where I'm going with this now is that I realized that, uh, being in an office is not, I'm not, I'm not cut out to just be in an office. I also feel that if I just went back to, to wrestling or, you know, uh, or let's say acting or, or say you were a Hollywood actor, which is, you know, Dwayne Johnson's doing awesome, man. I mean, that's, 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 that's inspiring. He's an inspiring guy because he takes his craft and uses it as a platform to do other real things in the world that inspire people. So he's, you know, he's got these great action packed blockbuster movies. That's awesome. 
But, uh, you know, what he stands for, the man behind those characters, Dwayne Johnson, is a he's a great human being and what he stands for. And he's a he's an inspiration. And um, that's my whole point. That type of work, uh, the work that Mark Merrill's doing, the work that DDP, Diamond Dallas Page is doing, they found their niches and they found success outside of wrestling. And yes, have I found success out of wrestling? Sure. But for me, I know what I live with every day. And on one end, I'm very grateful and feel blessed for what I have. But on the other token, I do feel a, a constant, almost like a, I don't use the word torture, but almost like, um, you know, a, a just a very uh, uneasy feeling because I just know that there's something missing. And uh, so just to go be an entertainer isn't going to cut it. For me, just to be in an office, you know, adjusting patients and, and helping them out with their nutrition and their, you know, their, their, their lifestyle and, you know, their health and wellness, that doesn't quite cut it. So really, I've, I've recently come into the, you know, the notion now that it's time for Dr. Sean to uh, go to the next chapter. And I'm, I'm literally in, in the trans, uh, you know, uh, transgression into this new chapter. And that is to become, you know, an online wellness life coach and to be, uh, to really take my speaking career to the next level. And I don't want to say I'll be another Tony Robbins because there'll only be one of him, but I'd like to be that type of person that has that outreach to people, that impact on people. And, um, my, my, you know, we all have our own proprietary blends and we have our own uniqueness and, you know, um, I, I think I have a dynamic story and, and something that, um, will definitely separate me from a lot of people. But, um, you know, really that's, that's, you know, I'm kind of starting, kind of starting a new chapter here guys. And so that's my new passion. I think I'll find more fulfillment from that because, my, my message is going to be not just about, you know, inspiring things and telling real stories and sharing what worked for me, what didn't work, the failures I've had, uh, you know, the, the grief and the despair and the, just everything, you know, that I've gone through in my life. Um, but what did work, what's kept me together all these years, the glue that's kept me here all these years at 48 years young, um, has been the, the, the wellness lifestyle. And it's not just a physical thing. It's a, it's a mental and spiritual thing. It truly is. And so it's kind of taking Tony Robbins kind of stuff. Um, and, but, but kind of twisting it with my own unique blend and, and, uh, you know, it's, it's going to wrap around at the end of the day, it's going to wrap around, uh, health and wellness and, and that wellness lifestyle, because you can him and haw and pray all day and have all the greatest intentions. But if you don't take care of your vehicle, you're stuck in this vehicle. Your journey is going to be, it's going to be a, it's going to be a shitty ride. It's going to be, it's going to be hard. Uh, if you even make it to the destination. So it all starts with your body. It starts with your mind, your soul. And that's basically what this next chapter is going to be about. So, um, I will keep you guys posted on that. But you asked me one question, and I just went down a rabbit hole for about 30 minutes there. Fascinating. No, fascinating. Fascinating. <laughs> Great stuff, though. And something that really was interesting that you said was that the WBF, which is true, you know, with the meat character and the different things, they didn't really utilize you correctly. But when you were in WCW, you did get a good push. I mean, you feuded with legends like Bam Bam Bigelow and Mr. Perfect, and Kurt Hennig, and DDP, and Nash, and they kind of knew how to use you a little bit better. What do you think was, was the difference there? It was just that 
they were kind of saw the potential in you maybe a little bit better, the Russos and the Bischoffs of the world? Yeah, you know, I, I don't, man, people ask me those questions and I really don't have an answer because I, my answer is just as good as yours. I mean, I, I you know, if I had to take a, a best couple guesses at it, I would think that maybe WCW was, uh, they give it a whole plethora of reasons. Maybe the, the, the people that were in charge writing wanted to prove a point to WWE that we can make stars or, or attempt to make stars with certain talent that came over from your company. You didn't give them a, a fair shake there. Maybe their the uh, motivation was uh, uh, well. They, I mean, they had to they had to build they had to build new stars. I mean, I think at that time, I think there was a lot of uh, friction going on with those big contracts they had, and management was changing or ownership was changing. You know, so I, I really don't know, man. Uh, I, I don't think that some of the I think that I labeled myself personally a little bit with my uh, maybe opening up to some people too too soon and again coming across as maybe a little bit second guess myself or maybe a little insecure and you know you can label yourself in that business pretty easily uh, you can create a stigma about yourself and I think that's what I did and uh, you know I don't think that tape recorder incident really helped me either so. That's probably, that could have been a big reason as to why that, you know, I never got a real fair shake. Because, you know, after the meat character, I did go with Sean Stasiak now, but it was kind of a lost, there wasn't any any substance behind it. But I think that maybe they were trying, like, okay, we've had this cheesy gimmick with this guy for the first eight or nine months. Let's let's get him to revert now to his his, uh, his roots, his, uh, his family name, and, and maybe he'll come into his own and find himself and Get into, get into a storyline and just build off that and go from one to the next. And that's how you build a care. You know, you got to get the, you know, you got to have that love and support from the company. But I never, I never felt that. But then again, that's, that's about what that tape recorder incident happened. And I don't think that helped me, honestly. And then when I came back to WWE, I think that there is still, I had improved my crap. I had had more television time. You know, I still had, it was green. I still had a long way to go, but I showed improvements. I had more confidence. I, had more exposure, more experience, you know, wisdom, ring savvy, all that stuff. Because I had worked with those legends that you mentioned, you know, those those top names. And uh, and I also felt accepted. Uh, it was like a whole different feel. It was a whole different experience for me with WCW. Far, far less pressure or stress, which was nice, you know. And uh, I made more money. You know, I traveled, uh, traveled the world, was on all the tours. Uh, I just felt very held back and very, I don't know what it was. I don't know. I just don't know. Maybe because it was just so saturated with such huge names, you know, and there's only so many spots. I just don't know. It's hard. It's hard to answer that, that question. In WCW, were you kind of allowed to create some of, you know, your own nicknames and, and your own, own persona, so to speak? Because obviously in WWF, you know, me kind of like, I guess they're a little boy toy creation if you will kind of a like you said like a cheesy gimmick but wcw it seemed like you were allowed to kind of be your own man if if you will because you know the mecca of manhood the star perfection the perfect one was that kind of like a lot of your own ideas coming out no actually not at all all those uh monikers were given to me and Hmm. uh i just went along with them you know because at that point i i you know just felt that i was still 
you know, I was still learning the business. You know, a lot of these guys that came into the business, uh, when I first met them in Stanford, like the, um, you know, the Christians, the edges, uh, Val Venus, uh, Tiger Ali Singh, you know, these are just, uh, Matt Bloom. These are just some names that I, that I had, uh, you know, had ran into when I, but they had years of experience. They'd already been working and I was, I mean, I was green. When I say I was green, I was green, man. I had 10 untrained matches, you know, under my belt. And, uh, you know, I think with that, it comes with more confidence too. I mean, you get, you get, the, the more you, you, uh, you, you do something, the, the, you know, and you start to improve your craft, you're going to gain more confidence. I think that's what I had going against me is that just, you know, it just took me a little longer to, to kind of, it, it, for me, I, looking back, um, and, and I don't think the Indies were real big back then, like those, um, territory days, you know, they talked about that in my dad's day. Um, it would have been nice to have like, so maybe I would have worked the Indies for a couple of years to, to really get, get, a, get acclimated to, to myself and the ring and who I was and my style and everything, you know? So I think a lot of it was me just trying to figure things out. You know, and and I watch I watch some of my old stuff, and you know I I'll cringe at a lot of stuff, but you know I look at it too, and I go, man, it wasn't that bad. I mean, there's, all the tools were there. I'm thinking, I look at things subjectively and go, you know, just give this guy a little love and support, man, and and you know have someone kind of overlook look this person. I'm just thinking now, if I saw someone now at my age looking back, you know, at that time, um, there was definitely a lot of potential there. There's there. I think they I think we 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 missed an opportunity you know, with that whole thing with WWE. But, um, I didn't have, uh, you know, I just kind of, you know, I did what I was told in WCW, but I had a little more leeway with, with creative and, and suggest things and had a little more, uh, creative control, I guess, or, or suggestions that they say, yeah, yeah, that try that or do this, or, you know? So I felt, I felt a little freer with WCW, uh, just because there was just such less stress. And I, felt that they were just giving me give me the ball a little bit, you know? I feel like in WWF, they like almost tried to be too jokey and too comical. Like when you came back in, in 01, they were kind of doing, remember that clumsy gimmick you were trying to impress Stone Cold Steve Austin? Do you remember, yeah. you know, that, that gimmick? Is that something you were like, okay, this, is, this isn't really going to work, or this is kind of, you know, like this is a little corny. Oh, absolutely. And I just went with it because, you know, again, I, I come back to the company the second time I was just proven that, that I was a company man. Um, I felt that eventually that things would turn around. I remember actually one night in Chicago, I was doing a silly gimmick when I was running into milk trucks and walls and tripping over shit. And, uh, you know, Steve Austin, I did a, a I was trying to impress, you know, Uncle Steve, I guess is how you put it. Uh, leader of the Alliance, I guess is what it was. And uh, we did a, some goofy backstage thing where he flushes a commode and whips the door open and it knocks me out or something, you know, something stupid. And uh, I remember Steve and Vince McMahon, Steve Austin and Vince McMahon, he had the number one guy, hottest guy in professional wrestling, Steve Austin the, the, the uh, largest revenue producing in merchandise at the time. I don't know if that still holds the same, maybe he still holds the same record. I don't know. But, uh, and then you got Vince McMahon, the owner of WWE. And so you got some two pretty 
powerful, uh, influential people stand on each side of me. I remember Steve, you know, asking Vince, he's like, what the hell are we doing with this guy, Vince? He's a good hand for us. He's knocking himself out here and there all week, you know, week after week, he's doing this and that. And Steve thought it was stupid. You know, Steve looked at me. I he had made some comments and said, you know, I'd like to work with a guy like that, but I can't work with a guy called Meat, you know, or some of this goofy gimmick like what they were doing, the Wildy Coyote, the WB is pretty much what I was. And uh, it was kind of an awkward situation for me to be in, you know, but it was so great inside that I had a guy like Steve Austin kind of standing up for me and uh, giving it. And of course, Vince like, oh, it's nothing that Sean can't, you know, redeem himself and, and come back and, and flip things around. That never came around. Um, eventually just, uh, I ended up hurting my, I think I heard I had a, a hernia or a pulled groin or something. I can't remember. I, I was injured for about six to eight weeks. I was out. They sent me to, uh, I think it was uh, Cincinnati at the time, Les Thatcher's uh, territory or school or whatever it was. And then when I came back, it's just uh, Planastasiac character was actually my idea, but they never got that right. It was uh, not intended to be some goofy, crazy uh, guy from outer space talking to talking to himself it was um sort of like the riddler from batman jim carrey played just charismatic uh, colorful funny but at the same time a badass and and you don't you don't mess with them you know so it's kind of that 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 idea but you know what years later fast forward over the years i've had time to reflect back you know on on my career um with any both companies but especially wwe and just in life in general just as a man just in life. And I realized that I never really needed any gimmick. You know, I just needed to be me just to be, be Sean. And that's just a guy, you know, it's six, four, 245 pounds full of piss and vinegar. That's a world-class athlete that wants to make WB history. And you, you either like it or you don't. And if you don't F you, and if you do come join the ride, that's it. And, uh, that's, that's basically what Sean Stasiak is, you know, um, but you know, uh, for me anymore today though, um, I, I love, I, I just think storylines that are inspiring are, are just, those are awesome. And taking reality parallels, like I have this storyline and idea, I haven't gone into all the moving parts to it, but it, I think it's a great, I mean, not just if I played it, if anyone played it, that played the role, it's just a very, it's a feel good story. And throughout the course of the story you know people question how this guy is done he's not going to have a chance now or there's always that ray of hope there's always that little little ray of hope that's always there and uh, there's different scenarios and how it ends but it's it's an inspiring story so anyway um yeah that's that's basically my take on all that it is crazy kind of look back at your career and look at the, the potential and, and see that you're still in great shape now. So, you know, it's like you said, some people might say, ah, I don't know about a comeback, but I don't know. If you look at the shape you're in, you look better than, you know, 90% of the wrestlers that are going on today. I mean, right? Am I wrong on that? Uh, you're still in phenomenal shape, possibly better than ever? I mean, I've, I've been uh, blessed and, and I've worked hard over the years or I've stayed consistent and I've, I've been able to, uh, yeah, I mean, that seems to be the general consensus. And I look around me and I see, you know, I see people my age 
or even younger for that matter. And, you know, I just, I, I feel, you know, I'm blessed that way. Uh, again, you know, I've, it's not like I've, it's just genetics. It's, um, you know, I have, I have kept the lifestyle going, so it is an effort. So, you know, do I recover as quick? No, I'm 48. Um, they brought Goldberg back. They bring Jericho back. They bring, they're bringing, you know, Rob Van Dam back. Um, those guys are all great talents. Um, but yeah, you know, so one might think, you know, Sean, you've been away for so long. You're, you're kind of irrelevant now and blah, blah, blah. But then again, it's like, am I, you know, I look at it sometimes like this, you know, I haven't beaten my body up for the last 16 years. I have stayed in great shape. It's like riding a bike professional wrestling. And besides, you don't need to have a thousand moves. Give me a punch, a kick, a couple uh, power moves. I'll sell. Give me the microphone. Let me piss everybody off or have everyone love me. One of the two. My point is, is that it's all about getting people emotionally invested. And no one cares about, I mean, I shouldn't say no one cares. People appreciate a good physical, good psychology you know, match, right? Uh, telling a good story. But I think that if you don't have people emotionally invested with your storyline and that, how do you get over? You get over with the microphone, promos, the storyline itself. I, that's a part of my life that I know that I can bring now that I, I didn't know back when I was wrestling. I, I didn't have the chance. A, B, I was too inexperienced, but I believe just like the term art imitates life. And that would be exactly what this is. It's taking all the trials and tribulations, all the pain, all the grief, all the despair, all the things I've had to go through, all the wins, all the, all the, you know, all the good things too. And channeling that in, channeling that into a repackaged Sean Stasiak that's not beat the hell, that's actually had a pretty good shelf life. And I say that humbly, guys. I'm not sitting here tooting my own horn, you know. I could, Hey, we could all be healthier. You know, uh, my goal is to be as healthy as I, I possibly can, you know, as I get closer to 50 and take that to another level, because, you know, it's so important. You can look, you can look fit and healthy on the outside, but you could be not so fit on the inside. So it's important. And being, you know, being a, a chiropractor, being a health professional and working with different doctors in, in the medical field, you know, you, you learn more and more about, about that kind of stuff. So, but just to get back to your, your thought, um, yeah, you know, I watched, I watched, I watched the shows and it's not a bodybuilding contest and you got to have different shapes and sizes, different, different characters, different looks. If everyone looked the same, it'd be boring. So I get that, but I've always t- taken pride, uh, in, in an athlete, look like an athlete, look like a wrestler. If you're a wrestler, you know, when Rick Rude walks to the curtain, I believed he could steal my girlfriend and kick my ass. I don't get that from a lot of the guys today and bless their hearts. You know, uh, they're doing the best they can, but it's almost like guys today are, are trying to be mean or trying to be badass. Um, unless you're Brock or Ron Stroman, I think I'm pulling for him. I love Roman Reigns and I think Dean Ambrose's new look looks great. I like, you know, I see these guys developing too and getting, they're starting to hone their, their crap. I like Elias. I'm, I mean, I'm pulling for these guys, you know, cause I want, as a fan, I want to sit back and, and, and I want to relive what I grew up as a, 
young boy teenager watching professional wrestling it's kind of lost it's been a lost art in a lot of ways you know but then again i know that times change you have to evolve to the times i get it the platforms completely change you know the business model everything but i don't know man at the end of the day i you know i'm just i'm just i'm old school that way you know i grew up around that those eras where you know a, a, a wrestler a professional wrestler when he walked to the curtain you know you you had to believe they were a man and they were going to whip your ass and i don't know that's just that's just me but i think the guys today are are better athletes they're definitely healthier they're they're more they're they're better talented as far as athleticism and i think maybe some psychology's lost a little bit you know with all the crazy moves and all that high flying stuff especially i think there's a place a place for it but uh you know but I, and I and I I'm not I'm not bitter or pointing fingers at anything. I'm just just my honest opinion. But uh, yeah, man, I just see some guys on there. I'm thinking, man, did they even work out? Did they even go to the gym? I mean, I thought this was a physique <laughs> guy. You know, um, I've always taken pride in that. But it never it didn't seem to do me much favor, did it? The WBE. So maybe if I would have come out of shape, that maybe I would have had a better push. You know, I don't know. <laughs> you never know with uh, Vince. Vince is a. Uh pretty uh pretty unpredictable in that way and i did see you challenge another guy with a legendary father a former world champion i saw you out there challenging yeah. guys like cody rhodes yeah i sort of did that today didn't i yeah <laughs> yeah you know i like cody rhodes um and i do respect him everything i said in that uh, tweet and i'm just having fun I'm, I'm just playing with it man i'm playing with the uh, social media and with all due respect cody you know, if you're listening, uh, you know, I don't know. Our dad's had good matches and, uh, you know, he seems to have some kind of steam. And I just thought, you know, I've always thought about certain people I like to work with. And, uh, he's definitely one of them for a few reasons. So I don't know. Uh, I just threw it out there. You know, I I wanted to make this point too. You know, people have been asking me, um, if I'm, you know, would I ever just consider going back to, to wrestling in any capacity? And I've always said, I want to save my body for the biggest platform possible. And that's a WWE. I have the most history there and, 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 uh, lineage there with my dad. There's a, it makes sense, right? There's so much video footage you can pull from. You can, you can reeducate the, uh, the, the, um, the fans, the audience. Um, you know, there's, there's just so much you can do there. And, uh, and I've always said just WBE or nothing at all. But then the more that I've thought about and had these fans, you know, like on social media, on, on uh, Facebook, you know, I've got people will private message me or make a comment or whatever. And I've been selling some memorabilia. You know, I've got some of my dad and some classic black and whites. And I got some of my WWE and WCW, you know, um, promo pictures and so forth. I have my own DVD as well. Um, that I did years ago, but you know, it's kind of posed a question: Would you would you be interested in coming back to the ring? And you know, I, I'm always in shape, and I'm always going to be in shape, and wrestling will always be in my blood to an extent. It's always there, you know. It's like a dormant flame, you know. It's just what's going to ignite it. What's going to so this whole thing with that's going on with this all in thing, which I was just recently educated on. I looked into it more, and I thought it was really fascinating that. Cody and I guess the young bucks, uh, were able to 
sell out a quite a large venue in Chicago. Is that right? Like 10,000 plus people in like 30 minutes. Yep. That's pretty impressive, man. And I don't, you know, I know they, I, I don't know the logistics of how that all came about, but that's awesome. And, uh, that excites me, you know? And I was like, wow. So yeah, I just, uh, I, I, I poked a little fun at him today. I don't know. It's, it's got, you know, I don't have a huge following again. I'm relatively new on social media and, you know, I'm probably not doing all the right thing. I, I would imagine if I just had one appearance on, on TV, I, maybe my followership would just, you know, blow up better. <laughs> but, um, but my point is that for me, um, it got quite a few, it's got quite a bit of a reaction. Of course, you're going to have the haters and naysayers and, you know, they, they, they hone in their little comments. I just don't, I don't, I don't, I just, I think it's comical actually, but, uh, actually surprisingly getting quite a bit of, uh, positive responses, you know? So I don't know. You guys be honest. Don't blow smoke up my ass. Would you want to see that? Yes, for sure. I've always been a fan of yours. I was always just, you know, thinking like, man, the potential was there. Like when you were WCW, obviously they would eventually get bought out with WB, unfortunately. But I thought that was going to be kind of a skyrocket for you. I thought like, finally, he's getting the push. You know, the eight by tens that you were doing, the cocky heel gimmick, even paired with uh, Stacey Keebler. I thought that was the perfect thing for you. So uh, definitely, man. I mean, I'm a, a big fan of yours, and I think that uh, the shape that you're in, especially, and especially how you look compared to some other guys, I feel like that comeback hopefully is in the works somehow. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what. Uh, I just don't know. Um, I don't know what. I don't know what uh, what, what what elements have to be in place. I guess just. You know, I've been invited to do all these podcasts. And I've kind of turned them down, but I decided to start doing them. I want to let the fans know that regardless of wrestling, if I ever wrestle again, um, you know, I want you to check out that comeback video uh, that I did. If you go to YouTube and just uh, put in Sean Stasiak comeback, there is a five-minute version and an 11-minute version. And I'm not sure if you guys have seen it, but if you haven't, take a look. Um, I think you'll like the storyline. It'll give you a better idea of what I've been talking about tonight. The other thing is um, I want to let the fans know and promoters know, and I know we had this conversation earlier uh, before we got on the air. Um, I'd like to get back, uh, you know, I like to break up the monotony of being in Dallas uh, and, and not just flying out for speaking events either. Uh, I'd like to get out, maybe intermingle with the fans. I didn't realize that over the years, I thought that my I was so down on myself and beat myself up over the years because I didn't, get to the level that I always anticipated that I would um, with, with, you know, my wrestling career, and especially with WWE in particular. Um, so I beat myself up thinking that I was, it wasn't, I wasn't worthy. I wasn't, you know, I don't know. I just, I, I felt, I felt that I felt so short of, you know, the context of, of where I came from and the potential that was there and just all those elements. And I did, I've learned over the years though, that there's been more fans that actually, enjoyed, you know, Sean Stasiak or whatever character you played, because uh, they know that I did the best that, that, that I was given, and uh, they saw the potential, and, and, they, and so it's, it's kind of cool with social media that I've gotten more, I mean, you get your naysayers and negative, you know, people, but it's been, uh, it's been nice, it's been pleasantly uh, nice to, to, to get those, uh, those comments, and they, feel, and they feel real, not just blowing smoke either. Uh, so, you know, I want to thank all those fans for all their love and support. It does mean a lot. And I thought to myself, why not get out there and start doing some, you know, autograph signings and some, 
conventions and, and, and appearances. And I am, you know, uh, ramping up my speaking career to the next level. I, um, my title is going to be Power Hour with Dr. Sean. And uh, that's also an added value that I can bring to the table, uh, to any promotion or promoter. I can get into more detail about how that looks, but I think it's almost like a Q&A, but it's a bit up and beyond that. And it'd be something that I think that the fans would walk away with that night, feeling that they got their money's worth. And they're going to walk out with probably tears and goosebumps, but they're going to be fucking inspired to be the best that they can be at whatever they, they want, whether they're a better husband, better father, better community leader, going after that, that degree, um, getting in better shape, getting in, having better health, you know, whatever that is, that that's Dr. Sean's, uh, goals to, to, to ignite that within people. And, um, sorry, that's just a motivational guy coming out of me, but hmm. you know, I want to get back, I want to get back out there a little bit. So I'd like to have fun with the fans and, and, uh, I'd like to get out, you know, three, four times a month. Uh, but I'm going to be doing these podcasts and, and getting the word out there. So, um, if you know of anybody, that will be interested. They, they can, they can come find me on social media. It's Dr. Sean, double O eight D R S H A W N zero zero eight. That's for Twitter, Instagram. And of course, Facebook's real easy. It's, you know, Sean Stasiak hyphen stippage. Uh, it'll pop up, you know, you can find me there too. So just give myself a free plug there guys. Sorry about that. No, it's what it's all about. The promotion and getting the plugs out there. That is great. For sure, but as we start to wind it down here, I just wanted to ask you because you know we're talking about some misses that, that you had, you know, some misfires with WWE and some successes WW. But do you have some favorite matches that you had? You know, something you could think of of you know something on a real positive note, whether it is WWE or WCW. Yeah, you know. My my two best matches, and when I say best matches, I I, I would say it was a combination of the, the chemistry, uh, and we didn't do a whole lot. It was just the way that we did things that night, or actually two nights in a row, um, and just the crowd response because this person that I was working with was so over as a, a baby face, and I was I was a heel, but because I was going up against this person. And in New York, and I can't remember, I think it was, one was in Albany, New York, and the other one, I don't know where it was, but it was, they were house shows. They weren't even televised. And that, and my opponent was Chris Jericho. And you know when The Undertaker and Steven Regal come up to you after the match and shake your hand and look you in the eye and say, you did a really good job tonight, man. You guys, you really did great and good work and they really, they really enjoyed it. That's saying something, you know, when your peers like the undertaker and regal who are, you know, cosmic professionals, they say that to you. And I'm sure they gave Chris the same compliments, but I think particularly me, because, you know, I was still relatively, you know, new in the business. He had been around for years, Japan, Mexico, WCW had been, you know, he's getting over in WWE. But, uh, yeah, my two best matches that really stand out against Chris Jericho and, they were house shows. Unfortunately, they weren't, they weren't on TV, you know, for the world to see. But uh, I got back to the office that week, and I even got a – they even gave me a raise. I think uh, <laughs> they gave me a, a <laughs> twenty-five grand or something raise on my, my downside or something at the time. So I knew I did something right. <laughs> um, 
WCW, man, I got to tell you, I enjoy the whole experience for the most part. But I, I, there's one night that really stands on my mind, and we'll end it with this, if that if that's good with you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, because I've gone on forever, and as you can tell, I talk a fucking lot, and that's why I got to get paid to be a speaker, <laughs> because I talk a lot. So you might as well make a living out of this. But the, the point is, is that um, I was in the ring on a battle royal, and I don't remember if I knew or, or it registered with me the the number of legends that were going to be in that ring. And all I know is I just remember myself standing in the middle of this ring with all these wrestlers, and then they were they were coming out one by one. And then I think we were all in the ring, and they started ring the bell, and then the match started. It wasn't like a Royal Rumble where every two minutes and guys, you know, new fresh talent comes out. But I was in the ring with, you know, Sting, Ric Flair, Mr. Perfect, Kurt Hennig, Lex Luger, Randy Savage, Hulk Hogan. I mean, the list goes on and on. And I'm just like, <laughs> I'm like a kid in the candy store. I'm looking around. Where I turn, oh, there's Sting. I'm going to go get him. You know, <laughs> oh, there's Flair. I said, I got to get a chop from Flair. And I remember, I think I said to Steve Borden, who's a great guy, by the way, he's become a good friend of mine. Um, he knew what I was thinking. He grabbed me and he says, Flair, get over here. And Flair came over and here comes the chops. Man, it lit my chest up, but it was uh, probably the most enjoyable pain that I felt because it was coming from Ric Flair. So, you know, I had those memories, man. Um, uh, that, that, that stood out. And also, too, with Hogan, I guess, you know, I was uh, I wrestled a match with, with uh, Henning on Nitro and I felt so uncomfortable and so awkward that they put me over. And then, of course, to beat him with his own perfect plex on a pay-per-view is just, oh, my God. I felt so awkward because I had so much respect for Kurt, you know. I grew up watching him. My dad worked with his dad, Larry the Axe. Um, met Kurt when he was just a 19-year-old kid in, in uh, Portland, Oregon. I must have been, I forgot, how, I mean, I'm, I think I was 10 years younger at least, so I must have been like nine, eight or nine years old. But And that's where I went met Dwayne Johnson. <laughs> um, we crossed paths when we were kids. Uh, Rocky Johnson, um, of course, my dad worked with Rocky Johnson, worked with Peter Maivia, his Rock's grandfather. I remember uh, we were in Portland, Oregon, and the matches ended, you know, at the Portland Sports Arena, and all the kids would jump in the ring and, and play like it's a playground, right? Jumping off the ropes, turnbuckles, messing around. And uh, Dwayne and I, uh, I remember uh, <laughs> this half black, half Samoan kid with a big afro, this goofy afro, kid headbutts <laughs> me. And uh, anyway, I had fun with this this kid, and I jumped back. You know, it's time to go home. My dad says, "Come on, let's go." I'm in the car driving. I say, "He goes, did you have fun tonight, Sean." I said, "I sure did, Dad." And he goes, "Hey, what's on your head? What's going on?" I had a goose egg on my head from from this kid headbutting me. And he goes, "Who? What happened? What did you do to your head?" He goes, "Oh, Rocky Johnson's kid headbutted me." And uh, that's a story that we, we told later in the WE. The, the joke was I told everybody that I, I beat I beat Rock up, and he always said, now nah, it was the other way around. And so it was just a fun memory to reminisce about. But yeah, little did I know when I was a little eight-year-old kid sitting next to a six-and-a-half-year-old kid or whatever age we were, about around that age, I'm a little older. Uh, if someone would have come up to me and said, you see that kid sitting next to you, Sean? Yeah, well, you know, fast forward a few years, he's going to be 
this humongous sensation in professional wrestling, and he's going to be the number one box office revenue-producing draw in Hollywood. <laughs> How would I have ever <laughs> known that? You know? So I've got a lot of stories I can share. In fact, I'm going to be working on my first book. Uh, I don't want to give up too much, too many stories or information because I want to really, you know, surprise people with this. But um, just getting back to um, my the memories that stand out for me, though, uh, would be with Hogan because um, I grew up, you know, idolizing Hogan as one of, you know, there was my dad, there was Andre the Giant, there was Hulk Hogan. And um, I, I had a match with Hurt Hennig and, of course, you know, he put me over and um, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing, I'm, I guess I'm, I'm beating him up after the match. The bell is ringing. Hogan's supposed to come in and, and help his, uh, his long life, long friend, Kurt Hennig out. And uh, it's funny because Hogan actually got lost to the, to the ring. And I was kicking Kurt. I said, where is he? Where is he? Where, you know, and I'm sure they sent him and this thing went on forever, you know. I thought they were playing a rib on me. Knowing Kurt, it was probably his idea, you know. <laughs> um, but anyway, so I'm kicking Kurt, you know, I'm stomping on him, stomping on him, stomping, where is he, where is he? And all of a sudden, now the crowd pops, here comes Hogan. And I just remember, he's in the ring, and my cue was I turn around, look at him, throw a punch, block, punch, bump, and then throw me over the top rope. I just remember taking one look over at him, and just for that split second, it was like, Oh my God, this, I felt like a high school kid all over again. And I threw that punch and, uh, he, he dropped me with his punch, took it with pleasure. And, uh, it was just an honor to work with Hulk Hogan. I wish we could have worked a little more extensively, but that's, that's one of my, one of my memories of Hogan. And one last story, one of my most memorable stories with Hogan would be, um, I was in the locker, it was in St. Louis and, um, they had gone to commercial break. I was during a raw, a live raw. And I think I was done for the night or maybe I was, I forget, maybe it was a TV taping after, I forget what it was, but I, oh, I know what it was. I was getting, getting my gear on as Planet Stasi. I'd get my eight by 10 pictures taken because they had this little portable studio. They wanted to get some updated pictures. So I had my gear on and then Hogan had his, you know, he had his bow on, his bandana and he had his boots half laced and the belts. He had, he was the world champion, WB champion at the time belts, you know, hanging over a chair, and then all of a sudden, this uh, camera guy comes running, and he goes, Hulk, Hulk, you're on next, you're on next, oh, my God, oh, brother, oh, my, what am I going to do, you know, so he was rushing to get his his gear put together, because he was going on live, like, the next segment, he's like, Stasiak, or he called me Meat Man, Meat Man, can you help me out, so I put the belt on, on his, uh, wrapped around his waist, you know, clipped it up, and there was a mirror there, and he was kind of checking his himself out making sure that everything looked ready to go and I was in my planastasiac gear and there was just there was like a Kodak moment man it was like putting the WB championship around Hogan's waist he's he's hulked out with all his gear I'm I'm planastasiaced out and we're just looking in the mirror and said you look good Terry it's time for you to it's time for you to work and it was just great I wish I would have had a camera it was a, it was a Kodak moment and it's something I'll never forget it was like wow that was really cool to just help a brother out with the WB title and uh, to just see that reflection in the mirror of a of a, of a childhood you know teenagehood um, hero that I looked up to it was just really cool 
to, to experience that. So these are things that were never captured on TV, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And Sean, look, we really appreciate you taking the time and sharing all this stuff and going as detailed as we did. Now, we're going to let you go because I know you got to run, but I just, this is the final question we always ask, and it ties into your dad as well. So you don't need to, you know, if you don't want to go into so much detail, you don't have to, but we always ask when you look back at professional wrestling, the book is closed forever. The Stasiak legacy, what are the fans going to remember about that? I think that they're going to remember us and my dad included um, of, of two men that had a passion for a, for a business that they would have, you know, blood, sweat and tears for that for whatever reason um, didn't quite get, I guess, favored, you know, the, the, the political rubs, I guess. But for the short time that they had their day in the sun, so to speak, they, uh, they did the best they could. And uh, they will always be appreciative and and uh, um, grateful for those those loyal people. And I think uh, you know that's that's basically the legacy. I think that they, my dad made a big impact on a lot of people. Uh, every promoter he worked for, every promotion he worked for, he drew money. People wanted to see him, and they remember him uh, as a vicious heel that they enjoyed to be scared by. So he did his job. And uh, he, he wasn't the greatest athlete. He wasn't the, you know, the greatest body. But he had a look, and he had a menacing couple moves, one of them being the heart punch, and people will never forget that. So his short reign as WB champion, uh, it goes a long way, a long way. And I can't imagine if he would have held it for a year or two, what impact he would have had. And myself, uh, I, I can't put myself in that same category as my father because he had much like better success than I did. But for what I was given, I just want the fans to know that I did do the best I could given what I was and knowing the best I knew what to do then and that um, I was willing to do whatever it took to, to to be as successful and to be as impactful for them, entertain them, and to create memories for them that they could, uh, they could remember and, and, and smile upon. So that's basically what it is. We just, I know my dad, if he was here today, he, he would just say that he, he, he loves and appreciates all the fans, same as, my, same as me. Awesome. Well, listen, Sean, this has been absolutely unbelievable. We really appreciate you coming on and, and picking us. You know, you're saying you're getting back into doing the podcast. Well, we appreciate you coming on with us, and uh, we hope that you enjoyed uh, just as much as we did because this, uh, this was really a lot of fun. So all the best, and uh, hey, don't be a stranger. We, uh, we'd love to have you back sometime. Absolutely, guys. And, uh, yeah, stay, get in contact. Uh, let's connect on uh, – you know, social media and then stay connected. Thanks for listening to the two man power trip of wrestling. What the world is downloading.